that new song. And uh, good to see each of you today. We're beginning in uh, October and November some outreach efforts, and uh, we are planning uh, uh, several things coming up. Please keep in mind, uh, especially uh, coming up October 20th, Harvest Day, uh, our, uh, our Harvest Festival, and that's uh, going to start, I believe it's uh, October 20th at noon, I think it is. Am I right on that? Okay. And uh, November 4th is Student Day, and we're going to try to go after teenagers and, um, and college students and uh, reach them for Christ. And that's November 4th. Uh, my son Bud will be preaching on Sunday morning here, and then uh, Matt Wagner will be preaching on Sunday night. Uh, messages to reach teenagers. We'll have a taco bar set up on s Sunday night and uh, for all the teens, and uh, it'll be better than Taco Bell, guaranteed. If you have your Bible, find Second Samuel chapter. 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9. While you're finding that, let me encourage you if, you, if you can, just stay and eat with us today. We've got, uh, came in last night, and uh, the ladies, they, they were fixing these, there were two big turkeys sitting out there that had already been cooked, and, and there was a big uh, pot of white beans and ham, and and um, I got up this morning and my wife had uh, pecan pie and coconut pie and chocolate pie and thought, man, I'm looking forward to church today. <laughs> it's good. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter 9. Let's just begin by reading two or three verses here in verse 3. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, There is a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. And the king said, Where is he? And Ziba said, He's in the house of Machir, the son of Amuel, and Lodibar. And the king then King David sent and brought him. I'll stop right there. Some background for this story. It's an awesome story. This is the story of Mephibosheth. You have to pronounce it correctly to eat the food today. No, not really, just kidding. Saul, just for some background, Saul was the first king of Israel. But he was an enemy of David. David was a lot younger than Saul, and David, remember, killed Goliath. And so Saul became jealous of David's popularity and tried to kill him. Saul had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan loved David. And they both believed in God and they encouraged each other in their faith. 
And both Saul and Jonathan died in a battle with the Philistines. So David has now become the king. And he's been a king now for a few years and it occurs to him one day that he wonders if there's any descendants of his friend Jonathan and his enemy Saul. And so he asks Ziba, a servant, he says, is there anyone left that I could show the kindness of God to? And he says, well, there is one that I know of. His name is Mephibosheth. But he's crippled in both feet. He's not really much use to you. And besides that, he lives way out in Lodibar. Debar is the Hebrew word for pasture land. Uh, and lo is the Hebrew word for no. So literally, he lived in a land of no pasture, no greenery, wilderness, isolation, barren. Now, why is this included in the story of David? What is the significance of this story? Here's an isolated, obscure, seemingly unprofitable young man crippled, and yet there's an entire chapter inserted into the story of David's kingdom. And the reason is, why do we have the Old Testament? 2 Timothy 3.15 gives us a clue. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, From a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. And he's talking about the Old Testament. Because at that time, there was, the, the New Testament hadn't been written. So he said, Timothy, from a child, you grew up knowing the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ. What are the Old Testament Scriptures to do? They make us wise are instructed in regards to our faith in Christ. That's, what, that's the point of the Old Test, these Old Testament stories. Another verse is Romans 15, 4. Whatever was written in former days, Paul says, talk about the Old Testament, was written for our instruction so that through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. The Old Testament is to bring us hope. It's to, it's to instruct us about our salvation, our faith in Christ, and to bring hope and encouragement to us. So we, using those guidelines, we look at Mephibosheth and we find out some things about our salvation to bring us hope. In other words, this story is to teach us about what it means to come to our king. The story of the conversion of a sinner. Out in Lodibar, isolated, desert land, crippled, a beggar. 
Remember that in verse 3, David says, Is there not someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? So what you have here is an illustration of the kindness, the love, the mercies of God to us. And especially, as Paul put it, our salvation in Christ. King David is a picture of the king of the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus comes from King David. He's a descendant of King David. Jesus is called the son of David and promised to have the throne of David given to him. So David is like the king. And Mephibosheth is our story. The story of the sinner who is converted. First of all, let's look at how this pictures the sinner and the sinner's conversion. How does this how does Mephibosheth picture us coming to Christ? And the first thing that is noticeable here is that Mephibosheth is crippled by a fall. In 2 Samuel 4, 4, when his father Jonathan was killed, it says a nurse or a nanny was holding him and heard that the battle of Israel was lost to the Philistines and perhaps they were coming for her and the child. So she picked up Mephibosheth. At that time he was five. And she began to run. And as she ran, she lost her footing and fell with such force She dropped the child, the five-year-old little boy, Mephibosheth, and the fall crippled his feet, both feet. In the same way, each of us has been crippled by a fall. The fall of Adam. Someone else's stumble and fall. Romans 5:12 put it this way, as by one man, speaking of Adam, he says sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed on all men. When why do we have to die? Who started that procedure? Where did that begin? By one man, sin and death Passed to all men. So in Adam and Eve's fall and and their rejection from the garden, we all now suffer. We are crippled. We are broken as sinners. How else does he picture the sinner's conversion? Well, another way is he was unable to come to the king. So verse 5, the king, then King David, sent and brought him. uh, Why do we have outreach Sundays and why do we have youth days and holidays and high attendance days, it's because people have to be brought. 
they don't come on their own. They're crippled. There is an innate, hereditary unwillingness to come to God. Therefore, God must send His Holy Spirit. He must send His messengers. He must send Christian friends to invite you to come. Otherwise, we would remain in Lodibar, isolation from the heavenly Jerusalem. Some years ago, we used to, we used to have a van, and sometimes on Sunday mornings, I'd go and pick up people for church. And I remember one Sunday, I had a I picked up a blind man and a man in a wheelchair, crippled man. And I, I remember this verse, Luke 14, 13 and 14 says, When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, and the blind, and you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed if you go invite them. So I had the blind man, I had the crippled man, and I thought, I'm the poor man. <laughs> I'm good to go. <laughs> But the point is, I had to pick them up. Jesus compares in Luke 14, those who are outside the kingdom of God as crippled, the poor, the blind, the lame. Uh, here's a couple of verses because I'm not an enthusiast on free will. I guess you can sort of read that into my statements here. But let me give you this verse. This is John 6, 41 to 44. Do, do we have that? Yes. This is where the Jews are grumbling because Jesus said that he is the bread of life that's come down from heaven. And they said, you're the bread of life. That sounds weird. You're Jesus. We know your parents, Joseph and Mary. How can you say you're the bread of life? So here's what Jesus says. When they reject him and mock him somewhat, John 6, 43, Jesus answered them, Don't grumble. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come. Now, they may, whosoever will, may come. But can come and may come are two different things. Y'all know that. You, got, you learned that in English school. In English, English school. <laughs> but right, can come and may come. You may, but you can't because you won't. No man can unless the Father draws him. And that word draw, the Greek word draw, is, is elkuo. And it's, it was used of Peter as he drew the sword from the scabbard. It's used in John 21 of the fish who are dragged up on the shore. There's a resistance in our will and in our hearts against holy things. People just don't naturally read the Bible. 
They don't naturally, they don't have a natural desire to worship or pray. These things have to be wrought by the Spirit of God. And God has to draw you in or you will never come. If you have put faith in Christ, I want to tell you, God sent His Spirit to you. He has sent messengers to you. He drew you in because Jesus said, no man can come unless they're drawn. So praise God, we've been drawn. Amen? Praise God. It might have been subtle. It might have been silent. But it was evidently successful because you're here. We need a bigger God in this thing of salvation. Proverbs 21.1 says the king's heart, this is the king, even the king, is like a stream of water in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whichever way he wills. Even a king, he can turn it. The sovereign Lord who made the rivers, he can turn. Turn our hearts and our affections any direction that he wills. He gives you the desire. He gives you the willingness. He gives you a hunger for God and his word. Even the faith we have in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2 says, is the gift of God. <laughs> So how does Mephibosheth get to King David? Because David sent for him and sent messengers and brought him. We are crippled. We cannot come unless it is so. How else does this picture us and our conversion? Well, here's another way. Once we come to the king, we are then elevated through his kindness, God's kindness, to the dignity of a king's son. Uh, notice verse 7 and 8. David said, do not fear, talking to Mephibosheth, I will show you kindness for the sake of of your father Jonathan, I will restore all the land of, of Saul, your father, and you will eat at my table always. He gave him his property back and he gave him his provision. He can't work. But David said, you shall eat at my table always. And then look down in verse 11. And Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Verse 11, He ate at the king's table as a son. I am who you say that I am. Amen? This is what Jesus has done for us. 
from a dead dog. He calls himself a dead dog. Do you see that in verse 8? What is your servant that you should sow such regard for a dead dog such as I am? That's pretty low. If you're a dog, that's low enough. But if you're a dead dog, Mephibosheth says, I'm a dead dog and you've made me a king's son. So it pictures how we are elevated through God's kindness to a seat at the table of the king and his family. The family of God in the kingdom of God. Finally, it pictures our conversion because when Mephibosheth came, his child came with him. Now notice, now he's, Mephibosheth at this point is about 19, 20 years old. And notice in verse 12, And Mephibosheth had a young son, a little boy, whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, and he ate always at the king's table. But he was lame on both his feet. In verse 12, he says he has a young son named Micah, but they lived in Jerusalem. When Mephibosheth came in, there came Micah, the little boy. When Noah, when God, when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he built the ark. Noah's faith. Caused him to build the ark. And guess what? His family went into the ark with him. His whole household followed his faith. When Mephibosheth came and fell at the feet of the king, his little boy came with him. In Acts chapter 16... A kind of a strange addition here, unless you get this point. Acts 16.30, Paul and Silas are in jail and an earthquake comes and shakes the jail and the doors swing open and the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 16.31. And you shall be saved. And then he adds, and your household. Why would he add that? Because when you come in, your children will follow. This morning, my son leads the music over the first service and they just uh, did wonderful. The, uh, the band today was every Sunday. They're just great. And I commented on it. He's my only son. I got three daughters and a son. And I commented how good they were. And everybody clapped because they agreed. And my, I illustrated the point is, why is he here? Because 
When I came in, Bud followed me. It's just spontaneous. And then when I was leaving this morning to come over here, in came, I saw through the, at the door going into the sanctuary, there was Oliver. That's Bud's little boy. I came in, Bud came in. Bud came in, Oliver came in. When you come in, you look behind you, your child will follow you. Before you decide to stay in Lodibar and reject the king's benevolence and the king's kindness, you need to remember you're not just there in Lodibar by yourself. You have a child. You stay out there away from God's provision and God's gospel, you will have somebody stay with you. But when you come in, you'll have somebody come with you. Somebody say amen. amen. That's right. That's right. This is God's kindness. This is God's love to us. God's love is seen in the gospel. In 1982, my wife and I had a little girl born named Mary Ruth. She was born with a muscle disease, and a few months later, she died. And I had always wanted a large family, so it hit me hard. And I remember uh, just a couple of days after the funeral, I went to a coffee shop there in Weatherford, Texas, where we were pastoring. And I picked up a paper to read. And there on the front page was the story of a lady who had left her children and abandoned them at the local McDonald's. And I said, Lord, I wanted children so bad. And my child died. Here's a woman who doesn't even want her kids. She just leaves them at McDonald's. So what's going on there? And I doubted and I questioned the love of God to me. I didn't question the existence of God because to me that's just stupid. But does God love me? So I questioned the love of God. And over the years I have come to what I believe is bedrock evidence that God loves you or me. And it's not in the circumstance. It's not in the life situations which uh, go up and down. The proof that God loves you is in the fact that He sent His Son to die for you and bring you in. God's kindness. I give you this verse. Romans 5.8 God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's the proof of God's love. 
It's not in how much money you make or in how many children you have or what kind of sorrows afflict you. The proof, the evidence is on the cross. There's the proof. That's all the proof you'll ever need. Never stray from that. When you doubt the love of God, look at Jesus hanging on the cross, taking your sins and penalty. Of course, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he did what? Gave him his son. There's your proof that he loves. Now, as we close here, the question is, did God care about Mephibosheth? Yes, he sent David. David sent messengers. And Mephibosheth was made part of the king's family. But I want you to think about how hard that would have been sometimes. Mephibosheth, sitting at the king's table. It says in verse 13, he he lived in Jerusalem and he ate always at the king's table. But he's still lame in both his feet. I mean, they had to bring him down, set him at the table, day in, day out. And as he's sitting there, I want you to remember, David had a large family. David had like 15 sons. And as he's sitting there, think of those sons starting to come in to the dining hall. There would have been Absalom. Handsome. The Bible says that he was so handsome and he had long hair that flowed all down his back. And Mephibosheth would have seen Absalom come in, and those strong boys, brothers, poking at one another, joking with one another, the camaraderie would have been constant at the table. As as Mephibosheth sits there and watches them come in to eat, in comes Bathsheba, Bathsheba, beautiful Bathsheba, poise and dignity, her attendance by her side, and they seat her near the king. Then there's little Solomon. He's just a little kid at this point, but already his wisdom is starting to be evident. Mephibosheth's watching all this, and in comes the servants, and in comes all this food, and and everybody's laughing and having a big time, and he's sitting there, thinking, I'm a little uncomfortable at the king's table. Do I belong here? (laughs) I am here today to tell you, yes, you are. You belong at the king's table as one of the king's sons. See, that's what he calls him. He ate, you will eat at my table. Verse 11, so he ate at David's table like one of the king's sons all of his life. And by the way, when we go out and eat today, we're going to have these big tables, seats about seven or so around them. Let me tell you something. It's not just New Haven tables. 
That's the king's tables. And you're eating as a son or a daughter of God. You're in the family of God. You've changed families because he's brought you in. Why would he do that to a dead dog? Well, that's the kindness of God. From a dead dog to a king's son. Isn't that great? Love it. Love that. For me, God's family, sometimes I feel like I don't fit. But it's the only family I've got. Do you know that? I mean, I, I've, I've got my kids, but I don't, all of my aunts and uncles are hillbillies in Tennessee. So the only family I have is right here this morning. But I'm glad to sit with you at the king's table. Well, let's pray together, and then we're going to be uh, dismissed and We'll have our offering if our ushers will come. And let's, uh, let's ask God's blessing not only on His Word preached, but on the offerings, the tithes and offerings, but also on our meal today and our time together. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the gospel that brings us in. Thank You for the messengers. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that changes our hearts. And thank you that we have come into not only a new faith, but a new future and a new family. We praise you today for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.